0: Leeds, 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 what is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My mission is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, is doing during humanity's biggest emergency. On Working Hours we hear how Loiners have, are and will be coping with our multiple crises. The global pandemic, Brexit and of course the ongoing and accelerating collapsing of capitalism, the state. And the climate through this decade. To do this, I need people, people like you, dear listener. Most of all, I need people who are in Leeds or who are from Leeds to come on this show and be my guests. So please join me and help me with this mission whenever and however you can. Critically, I will need people like you, dear listener, as financial backers. Please consider supporting or donating to this project. You can do so with a £1 monthly donation via either Patreon or Kofi or you could donate any one-off amount to Working Hours via either Ko-fi or through the LibrePay button on the About page of Western Studios' website. Thank you. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Um, So, a few different things at different times. I have a very clear memory of really wanting to be um, a dance choreographer. I don't know why a choreographer and not a dancer, but it was definitely keen on the choreography. And I didn't do loans to dancing, but I did enough to make me think that I thought that would be a cool job. And then a little bit later, I really wanted to be a fashion designer. And I still have at my parents' house a folder full of... Um, I'd printed off a template of the internet and I'd draw, I've i drawn all sorts of outfits on, on people and I have a, like a full catalogue of uh, designs that I did, aged probably 13. Cool. Um, <laughs> so, but yes, so that all, I don't, and then I think for a long time, I really didn't know, but I knew I wanted to do something that kind of had a positive, what I felt was a positive impact, and that's still the case, but that's changed shape over the years about what I guess what that looks like.:
0: You're listening to series 3, episode 30, and to my guest Anna Bland. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 17th of August, 2022. Hello loves. So Truss is gone, and it was only last week that her getting the job was mentioned on this podcast. This isn't good. And I don't think it's going to improve massively, even after an election. Going through leaders at one every two years, as we have after 2015, was not healthy for a state. It's a bad sign. Now, post the awful 2019 election, the average is 1pm a year now. That's a worse sign. To many this is a big shock, journalists largely, if you are shocked by it, prepare yourself for the rest of this year, never mind the rest of this decade. If like me, you would like to try and counter the accelerating collapse of everything, and I think we should all be fighting to save the good bits, then I think you have no choice but to ask others to help you. You don't need to raise an army, you don't need to go online and embarrass yourself, you need to build power in yourself and around you. Isn't that the business of work? A final point here, if you are working in a business where the standards and conditions and behaviours have seemingly fallen through the floor, this is one of the reasons why leadership matters. A fish rots from the head down. If you have a rule-breaking, lying, self-serving bunch of morons as your state's people, then they're going to broadly encourage that behaviour in the culture. I don't think it's just me, or just age, that I feel I have seen a noticeable deterioration in the behaviours of some British businesses over the long term. As more of our rights continue to be ripped up, and what are they anyway if they can be ripped up, right? Might makes right, right? The machine will eat up through the lower classes until we are either personally petrified or even totally oblivious by the time they turn up to disappear us. Just keep in mind what happens when societies collapse is all I'm saying. So, spend time with those you love, keep all those you love close to you, physically ideally. Global travel is going to get increasingly more difficult. Be kind to those around you, ease suffering where you can. Anna Bland is team leader for Leeds Sanctuary. Lead Sanctuary is a city centre project focusing on reflection, well-being, activism, and creativity. Leeds Sanctuary creates spaces and resources on and offline for people to connect more deeply with themselves. One another and important issues of social justice. They are also exploring craftivism, meditation, mindfulness, climate change, well-being, Christian spirituality and much more with free resources available on their blog page. Leeds Sanctuary work in partnership with many organisations including Leeds Church Institute and share their City Centre offices. As a Christian project for people of all faiths and none, they are always looking for new ways of connecting with partners and people and they have a strong history of Methodism in Leeds City Centre. To find out what is coming up and to sign up to future events and activities, check out their website www.leedsanctuary.com Dot org dot .uk Lead Sanctuary recently released Everyday Sacrament, a book of creative meditations on the pandemic, which can be purchased from their website. You can find Lead Sanctuary on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Lead Sanctuary. Now please enjoy this episode of Working Hours with Anna Bland. What is it that you do now then?
1: So I, the moment I am team leader at Lead Sanctuary, which is) um uh, project. We are the uh, Methodist presence, the Methodist church in Leeds City Centre. Um, but we don't look anything like a church as you would imagine it. So we have no building and we don't meet on a Sunday. But we, we describe ourselves as a network of communities. So we run various groups and courses and one-offs and drop-ins and all sorts of different things. That are all about embracing community in all its forms. And we, the, some of the key things that we run, some of those key communities are the Leeds Craftivist Group, which is a group of creative activists, mm. which falls under my remit. And we also do some meditation and mindfulness mm-hmm. groups, a regular group, but also we incorporate that into a lot of what we do. And then we have a wellbeing arm. So we run courses days taste sessions and that is sam on the team who runs those and then we're doing quite a bit of work we're a city center project and um, we have a specific interest in Leeds Dock. so we're doing quite a bit of work on Leeds Dock, building community gathering people together into different spaces um yes so that's a sort of very quick run through of what we do and i as team leader i sort of oversee that. But I started as the development worker. So I came in to sort of see what was possible and, and what what a project, a city centre project might look like in the time that we were in. And I started my job just before the first lockdown. So um, it was a very, very interesting time to start in a community building role. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, um, I mean, my next question anyway would be, how did you get into it? So, uh, and then I'd probably go into COVID, but maybe we're going to kill two birds with one stone here.
1: Um, so how I got into it, um, actually, so, I've, so I, so I, I did a history degree, and then I've done various jobs in the charity sector, or the charity third community sort of yeah. sector, yeah. Um, and the one that was just before this. Was um, I did commu- a community development role over in New York, so that really gave me, and I, they gave me some training in that. Really, that really gave me a taste of what it looks like to build communities of people around themes and ideas and interests. Um, and I did some really interesting work in New York around that. Um, And I guess saw how transformative it can be to be in community with other people and how many people want that. Mm. Um, So I guess that's the kind of basis that I came into this role on. And then I came in and was given such freedom, I suppose, to really think creatively about um, what were the needs and opportunities in the city centre. And I think I was employed because of my development experience. Mm. Um, But then then the project's developed from there and now there's a team of us working on it, which makes a huge difference. It's amazing to have other people alongside you working together for that kind of shared vision.
0: Okay, so talk us through um, sort of COVID. Did you start there before the lockdown or as we went into lockdown? Because I like to look at the comparison of sort of when people did lockdown, whether it was when we were told to or before or, uh, or whether they didn't at all um, and also look at how it sort of changed our work, changed our working patterns, uh, what sort of lasting effects it's had. So, yeah, tell us your, your kind of lockdown story. I guess.
1: So I had been in role for a few months, maybe just over six months when lockdown one happened. Um, and I had, at that stage, managed to meet a lot of people, build a bit of a vision about who we might be and what we might do. And at that stage, I had run two, in-person one-off events. That was, and we weren't even called Lead Sanctuary at that point. That was kind of the, the extent to which something had started to be built. And so, n- not very much. Um, although those those events had been successful, and we'd seen there was in, I'd I'd seen there was interest in what we were doing. Um but it then when lockdown was called I was then working from home and uh, the vision had always was to that point that it would be lots and lots of in-person communities city center-based communities um, and that's what an event and that's what it would look like and actually what it became was everything that I'd envisaged went online so then the Leeds Craftivist group really grew and blossomed as a Zoom group mm. rather than an in person crafting group, which worked surprisingly well, better than I sort of anticipated, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, and then we also started some of the mindfulness work online as well. Mm. Um, and now, as a result of all of that, I think this is really common. Um, as a team, we all work a bit from home and a bit in the office here,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but also a lot of our communities we have some online fully online communities some hybrid communities Mm. which the craftivists is now and then we we do some of our work wholly in person but that is the work that has started since we since since it's been a we've been allowed to meet so that's some of the doc work which is more recent that's all been in person um So we're a real mix now as a result of it, I would say, much more than it was ever envisaged, which I think brings, which is good and bad. I mean, I think it's good that we're open to more people because of that that working approach. But yes, it does bring its challenges, of course.
0: Hmm. But I wanted to go back and cover something else there. Oh, yeah, so I wanted to look at sort of your workload and your working patterns. I mean, did it... Um how does it affect your kind of work life balance and your sort of mental well-being in terms of the amount of work that you were doing and the kind of work that you were doing? Like, um, did you, is there a noticeable change? Do you feel like you've even kind of processed what happened through lockdown and COVID? Like, yeah, just talk about that, I guess, for a bit.
1: I love that question. I think it's really good. And I think to really, so the way it it affected my working patterns, the first couple of weeks, I just sat. I mean, we didn't have a um, as as with so many other people in our flat, we had nowhere to work, um, and I just sat in our spare room. When we did manage to get a desk, just which was good, mm. um, and I thought I don't know what my job is anymore because my whole job up to that point had been going out and meeting people, mm. and I, as I said, just started running some in-person events. I thought. I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I spent the first period of time working on our website, working on our social media, so kind of getting all of that. And that's when we thought this won't be for too long. That everyone was saying a few months, then you'll be out again. Um, but actually as things went on, I thought, no, I need, we need to, we need to do more. We need to create something that will work for this time that we're in. Yeah. And, and the way it's changed. Well, my role, my job has changed so much. It's in some ways hard to answer. But I think what I have discovered is some of the work I took on as a result of always being at my desk. I've had to work out how I reassign that or stop doing some of that. Because now that I am back in the office, back going out to meetings, back running events, all of that just takes more time. Um so what a lot of the stuff that I was doing maybe doesn't doesn't work like it did or either needed or so then I'm I'm finding it a constant sort of reassessment process really Mm. to work out what what that looks like and what and what how my time is used best I suppose for the flourishing of the project
0: Mm. I mean did it even because you know a lot of those groups and the activist groups I mean there was obviously a lot of mutual aid networks going on and a lot of uh third sector and, you know, local businesses and big businesses that are based locally, were, were kind of throwing in to sort of make things work where they could and set up networks and make connections. I don't know what the question is with this. But like, how much of that has changed your work? Are you like, are you working with new groups and working in different ways? I guess the question there is about the sort of wellness message, because that kind of changed. it, they, they've like got bigger through covid and then the way it was thought of sort of changed so yeah just...
1: yeah that's that's really good because I, I think what i something i should have said before is that it completely changed i mean it's hard to say because we were such a fledgling project we didn't really know who we were mm. at that at uh, that point but what i sourced so clearly and so strongly was such a Outcry for community and positive mental health, and that has, I think, dictated so much of the where the direction of travel for the project. So now the fact that a whole arm of our work is around well being—I mean, who can say? But I wouldn't necessarily have predicted that that's where we would have ended up, mm. um, and. In terms of you, your question before about how we processed it, I think it's a really interesting one because so over over the lockdowns, a local artist was writing a weekly art meditation on our website, mm-hmm. um, which were which were like which were well well received and um, really fitted with who we were and the values that we had. And in recent times, we have published that book um that is a book. So we've taken a selection of them and turned them into kind of a print material. And we did a book launch for that. And people shared so through the book there are different scenes um that are really nostalgic to that time. Um yeah. and everyone who I spoke to at the end. So we had just, so the author and I spoke and then um we had a reflection from a couple of people about their experience of lockdown and how useful the book had been Mm -hmm. in reflecting on that. Um, And everyone at the end came up to me and said, I haven't thought about what that was like since it happened. Mm. I haven't reflected on it. And actually this event and this sharing has brought it all back, Mm. all kind of flooding back to me about how what an incredibly strange time and for some people i think it was a rich time and for other people it was a really difficult time depending on your circumstances mm-hmm. um yeah so uh, i think it's a good it's a good question because the only time i have reflected on it is kind of when i've done it professionally mm-hmm. thinking about promoting this book and mm-hmm. speaking about this book mm-hmm. um yeah i do i wonder if it's, i wonder if the fallout is going to be quite long
0: well and I wonder as well how quickly we're going to be nostalgic about it because we haven't really had that yet have we we haven't had the lockdown nostalgia yet it'll come probably in the news cycle like because everything's happening so fast <laughs> it'll probably mm-hmm. be like six months time everyone will be like oh remember how good it was in lockdown and then there'll be arguments online about oh no it was awful no it was great mm-hmm. but yeah it was a the thing that's incredible was." even if you weren't directly locked down you you know you can't but notice those changes (laughs) like if you were a key worker going in you knew like when you went to places that were empty or you went to places that were incredibly busy because you were working you know like trying to support people um yeah you knew like it was a complete break from the everyday. although for a lot of people I guess it felt the same just sort of going in doing the same job when you know, if you work in a shop or something. Mm. <laughs> but the conditions were different as well. So they had all new regulations. And
1: yes, and there were all those signs up in Chuck saying, please don't harass our staff and things, which was mm. quite shocking, really.
0: Mm. And then changing payment methods, like the amount of places now that won't take cash. And a lot of times that's kind of annoying now because it's like, it's legal tender, to take the cash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I will go from there into uh, we'll get Brexit out of the way. So um, since we have Brexited, have you noticed any change in your work, either for better or worse or no change at all?
1: Mm, I think I find it hard to say in some ways because because we were such a new project and then there was lockdown and, and Brexit was in the midst of all of that. It it's hard to distinguish, I suppose, the impact that it's had. But I suppose working in the sort of space that we do, I think the word that comes to mind for me is that sort of I, that idea of increased polarization and that Brexit was all part of that. Picture wasn't it um and how and and then we've seen that i think it's always been the case but i think it feels it feels very real at the moment and mm. i guess lockdown and covid brought that element along with it yeah what people's approaches to lockdown were you following the rules what you thought about the rules you know,
0: everything Yeah, anti-vaxxers, vaxxers, maskers, anti-maskers. Yeah. It's sort of like everything's got a, a cleave. So as a community building organisation, that's not really conducive to your work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's inter- it's it's interesting, but is part it may the question it raises in me as I'm speaking is is part of what we can do kind of building bridges between the polarization yeah um and that's really hard to do i think but i think really powerful if you can do it well
0: yeah 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 like a mediation work basically Mm. yeah conflict management (laughs) yeah we'll do climate change um so in your work what do you do or what can you do? Or are you even bothered about doing anything to <laughs> mitigate or adapt to or raise awareness about climate change?
1: Uh so this is massive for us. that like massive, massive, massive. So we the group of people who who are the who make up the craftivist group are um all of us involved are really what well, i don't know I don't even know what to use concerned doesn't feel big enough <laughs> um about what about what the future looks like mm.
0: um and, and what the present looks like
1: yes very true with this with this scorching heat we've had um and we have done nearly every action that we have ever undertaken as a campaign group it has been around climate change so we and and sustainability and kind of the things that come under that umbrella um so we've done um ethical fashion what do how do we have low carbon do low carbon things with our money so we did a banking campaign we've done um we've looked at kind of energy sources we've looked at packaging in supermarkets so yeah this area has been huge in terms of my working life and and me personally, I'm very concerned about it personally as well um but yeah, it dictated a lot, and we I guess in terms of how we work um we have been making choices that reduce and have carbon footprint as a tea and things like that mm. um yeah, so it's so really big, and I guess the part the puzzle piece that we play in it is um encouraging creative forms of activism and within that within craftivism as a sort of idea and a way of thinking there is there's a lot about looking after ourselves Mm. as well as making a change in the world um which are which is partly why i love it so much to be honest because it it really embraces who we are as whole people and our emotional responses for these, these big issues. And hmm. um, so we've done a bit of work on eco anxiety, and we always include some meditation and mindfulness in the work, in the craftivism work that we do. Because to me, if people are ending up in a place of despondency, guilt, and shame around climate change, that is not sort of fertile ground for change making. Hmm. So we need spaces where people are built up. And we can find hope, which can be really hard on this topic sometimes, mm. um, and that we and building community around that, building a hopeful community has always been really important to me.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, out of your list of things of responses to climate change i would I would add anger and furiousness, fire, um, but yeah, f- we don't need fire. <laughs> we need less fire yeah. although I, I, I've mentioned this before I think on one of the recordings but I listened to a podcast a bit ago with this guy who was talking about our relationship to fire like as as people um, and how obviously we evolved alongside fire but we've got like day-to-day how many of us have no experience of like a flame like maybe you have a match or a lighter or the hob but a lot of people will have no experience or contact with fire directly, and like fires, all often concentrated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was fascinating. We're like, oh, I never really thought of that. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, and then thinking about the the destruction that it, that it's causing around the world in wildfires, and seeing the, the firefighters dealing with that—that's an interesting thing, isn't it? That that actually a lot of us are protected from that.
0: Yeah, from the experience. Mm. But I I mean, I don't know if you've ever been near, like when I was in Australia, um, they were having one of the thousand year droughts uh, and it was South Australia I was in and we were uh, out somewhere and, you know, half the state's on fire and, you know, the sky going orange and stuff and just soot everywhere. It's quite scary sort of seeing and you can feel, you know, heat for ages and yeah I saw photos from someone as well who'd been kind of there was a photo of the car in you know like all the flames orange behind and then afterwards just like the amount of uh, ash left on the vehicle it's mm-hmm. madness
1: mm. <clears throat> yeah very scary
0: mm. so I want to go into before I move into social media and before I move off sort of climate change I've got to we've got to talk about God and we have to talk <laughs> we have to talk about vocation um so you know with with vocation they're sort of like calling jobs um like I've I've spoken to people who you know have seen their work as vocational but I also want you to maybe talk about the rewards of that of like you know how well paid it should be or who it should be for and like so if i can just get you to speak on the kind of vocational aspects and then obviously that you anything that you want to sort of cover there
1: Mm, interesting uh i yeah i definitely i definitely would see what i do as vocational and something that i mean this is it's very sort of christian language but sort of being called being called to something for a certain time and Yeah. And I think for me, it's a lot about skills and interests and, um, yeah, there's this beautiful quote, which I'm going to completely massacre, but that says that what we are called to is where our heart and the needs of the world come together at a a point. And I suppose that's what I see in my role, that I had a certain developmental skill set and, while we well, was looking around at what, at where there was need and where there was opportunity, and yeah, those those things coming together in this place, and and there there's definitely a, a saying element to it for me um, yeah. in doing this work, and in all the work I've done, I, I think um, I I guess when you were asking what I wanted to be and that I wanted to have a positive impact, I think right from the beginning there was that. That influence on how I saw the world and how I saw myself within the world, I suppose. So, yeah, I think the, I'm re, I'm passionate about people finding ways where they they can use their voice to make change. But I'm also really passionate about people knowing themselves well enough to know how to look after themselves. Mm. If that makes sense. And I think that's sort of um our take. On well-being, because we were quite tentative about using that word, because it's yeah, uh, I think it's increasingly layered with meaning, and often that meaning is around you need to spend a lot of money, or it's it's like it's all become part of the capitalist system. And you read awful things about the the net worth of the well-being industry and stuff. So we were quite, and and one of our values as an organization is actually flourishing. And not well-being. Because I think we feel the word flourishing takes a much wider understanding, a bigger, wider understanding of what it means to be well. That means something more if you say what we want to you is we want you to
2: flourish.
1: Mm. Um, so so yes, I don't know if that's answered your question. No, that's a, I, <laughs> it's where it took me. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to move on to ubi next but i was going to respond to something that you said then but forgotten what it was so i'll just move on to ubi then so if there was a universal basic income how do you think it would affect your work would you still do what you are doing now would you do it the same way if you are were still doing what you do now and how do you think it would affect the kind of work that you did well i suppose like how would it affect your role you know for the workload that you were dealing with and the kinds of work you were dealing with,
1: yeah, it's really it's it's interesting you're asking that this week in some ways because we've just decided that our autumn to winter campaign this year is going to be all around cost of living, mm-hmm. and that feels such a relevant point to to that. And what might it mean? That raises questions for me. What might it mean if we did have a universal basic income? for the for this crisis that we are in and entering a worse phase of then <laughs> um, yeah i mean, I suppose that some of what we do is around uh, inequality, mm-hmm. and i i I'm no expert on universal basic income, but my understanding is that it would it's it dreams that to reduce inequality and i suppose if we saw that then it would change the shape of our work because actually maybe people would be would be in a better position financially and time-wise and that may, could mean they could give more to communities mm. um so so yes but i am no expert and i have um i said to you before we started recording i was slightly anxious about this question because i have heard I've read lots of different opinion pieces on the topic, and I think, like, against personally, I feel a bit confused about it. I, I basically feel positive about it, but I can't quite imagine it. I, <laughs> I mean, think is where I'm
0: at. I, was, I suppose maybe asking it another way. I mean, if you if you were getting your basic needs met, would you take would you take a wage in this position if you didn't have to, if you could do it voluntarily? And then, like, would would that mean if you were doing it voluntarily do you think you would do less hours or do you think you would give it less attention or do you think you would work too much or how do you think know you'd respond to that it's a bit oh it's basically like if you were married to a rich man or <laughs> <laughs> if so if you had a, an, a you know like a posh patron who paid for everything for you because it's a def- vocational role so you'd definitely be working you'd definitely do something you'd want to be doing something
1: oh yeah i would definitely do something It'd be interesting, would it be exactly this? I don't know. But there's a lot of, I suppose, because I was the developmental person, there is a lot of me in the project. So, so yeah, it's a really interesting, and would I, would I take a wage?
0: Mm. And would it reduce the need for your role and your work as you do it now? Would it reduce the need for that because people did have more time and more, more, you know, available expenditure?
1: Or would it change it? So actually, you were working with people who had more to give. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, community, commun- developing community might look really different if there were lots of people with lots to give to it.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, there's a lot of people. When I, before I started doing this and recording, whenever I'd asked people about UBI, well, whenever I asked people if you didn't have to worry about money, What would you do the main answers I would get was either go do more education you know like go back to school learn some more stuff and travel which Mm -hmm. again is kind of education you know both of them are sort of extending your experience and kind of enriching your experiences and you know work does that sometimes and I guess especially in your role like you were saying you get a lot out of building that community and meeting people and being sort of that hands-on experience so yeah how how would it change our other interactions it's great Mm. to speculate about as well because you know it's great we don't know we're not getting it anytime soon but we have had some experiences of like i've had people talk about furlough and Mm. how that was kind of you know a bit of the ubi and saying it's great because they had more time and they didn't have to worry so much about money and you know like they they saved some money um And I've had people say, you know, compare pensions to sort of UBI and sort of like, well, you know, it's good. I don't have to think about that for getting paid. You can concentrate on work that you want to do and do it at your own pace. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you feel about the sort of control you have over your work? Because obviously it's not a nine to five job, but you have to do. Are you quite disciplined with the hours that you work or do you just work too much?
1: Dependency are wrist <laughs> um I have a tendency to overwork, but I'm also because of my personality i'm also i meticulously record <laughs> what I overwork, <laughs> so I know exactly how much um so yeah, I do um and that I guess that is because i. I'm invested in it mm. personally. Um, yes, and I, yes, and I have to because I do quite as you've said. Um, I do evenings and weekends quite often because of because of what we do as a project. So that all that all has to be quite carefully balanced, I think, um, in this kind of work because you can easily work so much that then you don't have time to do the things that are. Your things outside work, mm. um, and see the people, <laughs> see your people as well. I suppose, um, yeah. So we we he within the project, um, my colleague David and I work really hard on making sure that people that all of that all of us are booking in manually are taking our flexi back. You know, we uh, yeah we we're really keen that. It, because it, because the worry of it is that you can be doing loads of stuff that you're really passionate about, but actually you can still burn out because you see it all the time, don't you, people burning out from roles like this. And um, we really, really don't want that to happen, particularly as now we have a well-being. <laughs> we don't think it would look that good. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> we've got a budget for it, but everyone that we've hired is burnt out. So
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah we're going to need a bigger well-being department
1: <laughs> for all of us <laughs> uh,
0: well i mean one of my themes as as i've done this as i'm going through this is just you know and as as a kind of climate solution as well it's and as a response to covid work less i mean it's easier said than done but um i think all of us should just work less and like put loads of people out of work and yeah you know like idle hands get up to mischief but as well people do things and if they've got the funds to be able to support themselves and they don't have that pressure then I think they can do more you know like they can be more constructive if you take the pressure off people can do things like volunteer you know you can do more when you've got more energy and you've got more time and you have more control over your time I think that's from my experience but yeah that's Mm. kind of the position I think work less is is kind of a good goals socially because it's just we're kind of encouraged to go faster do more be more efficient and then all of that efficiency then as we saw with the lockdown like it kind of crashed the system because there was no slack Mm -hmm. and in terms of resilience I think it's good to have that kind of you need reserves of energy and you need Mm -hmm. to sort of go in and out so I've talked about before on the podcast sort of working not quite seasonally but like how with the sort of nine to five it makes no sense to me to do that into winter because it's like it's dark, it's cold, it the world's kind of telling you to stay home. <laughs> it's like don't don't do the same amount of hours, do less, do more when it's sort of more seasonal work as well. Mm-hmm. This kind of breaking down the uniformity of things into like more specifics again, I think we are both seeing and I think is is needed. But uh, yeah, that's my speculative rant over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I think what that was bringing up for me was so much of it is about knowing yourself well enough to know what you need. In the, So what you're saying about winter working and what that might look like, and then I'm thinking, oh, I'm, but maybe I'm going to work less in summer when it's mm-hmm. nice weather so then I can be out more and I would work. More in winter, do you know? uh, And I guess it's working out what is, what is knowing yourself well enough to know what is going to work for you and is going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. I guess, Um, at a very basic level, Um, yeah. And that that isn't always easy because we're so influenced by the society in which we live and the pressures and the expectations of other people. That actually, I think a big part of what it means to be well or to be flourishing is to understand what you need in this particular moment, this particular day.
2: Mm.
1: And, and I suppose have be within structures, mm. societal employment that, that allow some level of freedom in that.
0: Mm. More and more of us have to do social media as part of our work uh, either sort of looking at it or creating it or just dealing with it how much time do you have to put into social media and does that time that you invest into social media does that get rewarded in terms of like your work is it is it benefiting your work and can you see the benefits of that social media time
1: um (laughs) uh, it's quite a funny question for me because when So uh, there's a, there's a, um, a board, uh, yeah, a group of people. I I think they, um, they're they're our management group who look after what we do. And that's who, who we work with in terms of working out the vision um, of where we're going and the finances and all that sort of big picture stuff. And when they said that I was allowed to employ someone, um, that was sort of the role I thought immediately. That's what I want help with. Because my, bat, I've done some comms in my previous roles, and I, I, you know, I liked it. I thought it was good, but it's so time-consuming, and I just found so much of my time was taken up with promoting what we do, editing the website to make sure that was right, um, scheduling our social media trying to get content for our website. It it was it took up a huge amount of my time. So now I do very little. Um I do i guess we have some kind of WhatsApp groups, Facebook groups that are communities of people and I would spend time in those, but I don't I do very little of the actual posting or marketing elements or lead sanctuary. Um because I think it's really important and I think you, I wanted someone who had passion and time more than I did to do it. So do you think it's a big part of of how you're perceived in the world and how you find people and how, well, how people find you Mm. um, to be part of what you're doing? So that's been hugely valuable having someone who has a real focus on that. Mm.
0: If you could change any three things, so anything at all, it can be as realistic or you know, fantastical as you want. If you could change any three things about your work right now, what would they be?
1: Oh my goodness, that's a massive question. What would they be? Uh more <laughs> can you say more time? <laughs> yeah. Um that would definitely be one. Mm -hmm. of them but in like a sort of magical sense like more time in my line in my weekly life
0: if everyone slowed down you would have more time
1: (laughs) maybe (laughs) well I guess something about greater receptability in society and understanding of 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 community and the value of that maybe i think something like that just that sometimes you come across you meet people come and they don't quite get what we do because they don't understand the value of what we do Hmm. not very often to be fair but but it does happen and i think that there's that sort of underlying suspicion of other people maybe which which you can see why there is Hmm. um but with the news stories and that kind of thing but but that sort of openness to ideas and other people, um, there was more of that. I think that would be good. Mm. And then one of the laws, how big can I go?
0: As big as you want. Change I, the world.
1: I think like something, something massive about climate change that mm. would have to be in there because for me, it's the, just the biggest threat and it's terrifying. And if, if it was taken seriously at the highest levels
2: mm.
1: of busyness, politics uh, everything mm. then i think that's when we would see real transformation
0: i i think it's like my more and more i'm leaning on it needs it's the peer pressure that's the problem like leadership you know and we we obviously haven't got any examples of good leadership sort of anywhere in the leadership roles but uh, i mean this is me on a speculative run end. but yeah sort of changing the discourse i think is the most important thing like the way the media talks about it and equally how we talk about it you know like the amount of things where i see sort of people talking about the future or a future and not even mentioning it you know like just talking about as as things stand if they just stay the same right now my projections are this for like how but it's like things are obviously not going to be like that they're not like that now and they're going to get Less and less like that. So I think as that comes more and more into our language, that's that's when you sort of see more change. But through this, I know that there's you know there's a lot of work going on that you don't hear about. Yeah. And the other thing I'd say as well is like the appetite for people to sort of you know know and be doing stuff and be working on it and not go into work and not make a big impact. Like you know I. I I haven't come across anyone who's sort of like, no, I don't believe in it. Hmm. Yeah, it's which which surprises me. Um, yeah. And what was your what was your second one? Sort of.
1: Um, oh, a great openness to yeah.
0: People. I think again with with more time, people have more time to kind of digest things. And if we you know if we think negatively, everyone's just going to go and watch you know some terrible. You know, some terrible, like Tiger King. <laughs> <It's a laughs> random example, not to pick on Tiger King if you love it. Um, yeah. But sometimes you need that downtime. Sometimes you need to just slob around in your pants and watch some rubbish telly. Yeah. It's yeah. just so long as you're not overdoing it, I think. Um,
1: yeah. I've just started watching um Cheer on Netflix, a docuseries about cheerleaders in America.
0: All right. Any good? Yeah,
1: really good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you been to the whole thing, or are you not yet? In yourself, right?
1: I w- if I could, I would. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like in your kind of role, do you end up just doing sort of, you know, like business training or marketing courses, and then the odd sort of like dealing with people courses? Like, what are the kind of things that you you have to do? What are the kind of skill sets that you've had to pick up?
1: Mm, interesting. So. I did community development training, which is like yeah, and then um,
0: qualification or is it just like a, a training course that
1: training course? um I can't no, I can't remember. I did. It's not like a formal qualification. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess we've all the whole team's done mental health first aid because that felt really important to what we, mm-hmm. who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're doing. We we with that the what do you call it where um unconscious bias training, we're doing that. I've never done any business training, I have to admit. Um, but I guess I've done a fair bit of sort of comms in comms training in my past and some leadership training and things like that. So more general, I suppose. Mm.
0: Is it sort of as and when you go into a role and you need that for the role? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. I imagine, you know, your days vary. You're mostly either ringing people or sitting with people or going to meet people or writing letters to people to meet people. Or I I mean, how much time do you have to spend on sort of funding and, like, you know, getting funding for projects or finding, like, does any of that sort of... Do you have to do any of that kind of work?
1: It's not a huge part of my role because we're very fortunate in being... Part of the Methodist Church, mm. but we are increasingly some of our project work, particularly around some of the well-being stuff, mm. is re, is potentially opening doors in that area. So, so yes, that would that is potentially part of what. Yeah, I mean, it's a part of what I do. It's not a big part though. Mm. Um, yeah, which is good. And and day to day, I try very hard with my calendar to find a balance of because is with any job there's lots of stuff you have to do at a computer but I really try to mm. find a balance in that so I am going out and meeting people whether it's on on zoom like this or whether it's in person in a coffee shop or somewhere else then I I kind of know that that's that's the a good place for me to be if I can find that balance in there um yes because my I prefer being out and about that's very much my preferred space but completely see that actually all of that computer-based stuff is a necessary element of what I do um and and sometimes if you've been out so i'm an I'm an extrovert, so i i this doesn't happen all that often, but sometimes it is really nice to think, okay, like today I'm having quite an off Spain day, mm. and sometimes I really like that
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that sort of get lost in a spreadsheet day mm. <laughs> I mean on the cost of living stuff, are you like what kind of support are you having to offer? is it kind of like going back to supporting in the level of COVID or is it a different experience or are you preparing for kind of the worst for winter or like what's what's the thinking workwise on that
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's a good question actually I guess we're thinking about it in terms of campaigning and what we can do as a group of campaigners mm. um but we I, I guess one way that we deal with that is nearly everything we offer is free and everything we offer is affordable Mm. Um, and that's always been really really important because I think another thing that I feel strongly about is around um, the availability of mental health support now we are not we would say that we position ourselves in the preventative space Mm. um, rather than um, working with People who are currently in mm. in a in a bad place with their mental health, where that's not, we're, we're not trained um, to be within that space mm. as a as a project, but in within that preventative space, I think mm, in both spaces we need more affordable options mm. for people, and I guess that's what we, that's what we're trying to offer in all that we do really um and uh, so cost does not have to be a barrier to being part of anything that we do
0: yeah then it has to be you know it has to be hyper local doesn't it it has to be something because you know transport becomes a cost or so i i mean what about staffing levels as well i mean has have you managed to stay sort of fully staffed through COVID and, like, has it left you with loads of people or positions missing or... And do you think that the cost of living could potentially, like, well, going into this winter, maybe, like, are you anticipating that that could potentially change any staffing levels so people can't come in or...?
1: Well, so, we, so to be honest, over COVID... Mostly in that time, it was just me. Um, and actually the team has grown since that time. Yeah, so I think David came in partway through one of the lockdowns. I can't remember. Time is
0: a funny thing with it this, isn't it? It's collapsed post-COVID, that's my line. Yeah. Was- no one can remember. I'm, I'm sort of fading the question out as well. I think I'm starting to change the question because I think we've reached the point now where it's kind of, we can't really remember it. hmm because we kind of suppressed it. It's like, no, it's over. That never happened. That's done. That's not happening. It's all done. And then now we've, you know, when I ask people about it, they, it, it's fuzzy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I'd say. So then we've, so that other, pe- other people have come on to the team since that time, I guess. So, yeah, tricky to answer.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, there will be people who, I suppose it becomes a weird question of, like, is it more cost-effective for me to pay for transport into work to use their heating and electricity or to stay at home and not pay for that transport and use my heating and electricity mm. or to stay at home just using the electricity for my computer and not having my heating on? <laughs> like, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's going to be loads of people who are in really tricky situations like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't covered sort of... um You know the kind of digital exclusion stuff. I mean, when you were through through lockdown, and then again with this. I mean, in terms of your outreach, do you feel that you you're quite good at finding people who need to be reached, and like, is that process quite easy, or is that where the real slog is?
1: Mm, Mixed, (laughs) different, different responses to different things that we've tried because we're still new and everything that we do in some ways is a trial and also the whole landscape feels like it's constantly shifting Mm. um so some stuff that i thought would be really hard to promote has been dead easy Mm. some stuff that i thought would would be really popular then then isn't anything okay this is all like new let's new information to try and work out where people are at and what people want and um, yeah, we're doing quite a lot of feedback gathering at the moment over the summer when things are a bit quieter mm. to try and work out where people are at and what people are interested in and what people wanna be part of and so yeah yeah it's it's interesting i the digital exclusion thing is really came up a lot because some people say everything that you for for that period when we weren't allowed to meet up mm. um. I didn't know what else you could do that wasn't digitally exclusive
2: because
1: mm. you weren't allowed to see anyone. Mm. Um, so I and I think that's probably why we've moved. We've sort of become a bit of a hybrid project, although I've never thought of us as that. But this conversation has made me think that it, it's so that we are we have an offer because then there are people who I've worked with who say actually because of my health, my men, my physical or mental health. I find it hard to leave the house. So then you think, oh, so actually that how it's about thinking about how you can be the most inclusive you can. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that we, like, I'm sure we've got a long way to go, but we do, we're trying, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's that ac- access issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how do, well, and also how, is, how do I get my service to, everyone and to well not to everyone but to the people that need and or want it yeah I know. um how do you sort of uh negotiate the kind of I mean as we sort of spoke at the beginning there and you sort of like mentioned it being christian language and part of the interview um like how do you sort of deal with the inclusive inclusivity exclusivity of that of like You know dealing with people that are potentially threatened because they're they're kind of like i don't want to be involved because it's god or this Mm -hmm. god or um and then but also being accessible to as many people as part of your own kind of mission so yeah like how do you deal with that kind of aspect of being open and accessible um but also then The, I suppose the recruitment side for want of a better, better terminology. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the, the kind of promotion of the, the church or, yeah, like how just talk, talk a bit about that.
1: It's a really, it's a really good question. And it's something I've thought about an awful, like a lot, so much because how do you, um, speak about, um, because we are, we are a Christian project, open to everyone, and everything that we do is open to everyone, and we're not. And yeah, yeah. How? But some people will be put off just by the fact that we say that we are Christian based, and yes, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, to be honest, we we have loads and loads of conversations about it as a team and okay, how do we how do we word this so we have integrity about who we are but so we're non-threatening because i'm i so aware of how threatening that can be to an awful lot of people and often for very justifiable reasons um so we try we try <laughs> um and actually we're doing some focus groups and some of this this is going to be some of the questions that we're asking of are we getting this right so that people who have a faith think oh that's the kind of thing that looks interesting to me but also people who don't can also think that uh, that also looks interesting and i'm not threatened by by the way they're presenting themselves and you can't you can't get it totally right that it's impossible it, uh, to hit that for every single person but i suppose it's finding the balance and us being true to who we are mm. as well so,
0: well that's that i, I think that's going to be one of those the you know unanswerable questions isn't it irresolvable matters because it's constantly Mm. part of what you're doing and like how you have to do it yeah I don't think you'll ever get a a totally satisfactory fixed answer on that of like this is the way Mm -hmm. okay so I'm going to throw it over to you here so if there's anything that you want to promote or anything that you want to talk about more specifically or anything I've missed yeah any social media sort of handles that you want to give out now now is the time for you so yeah anything that you want to talk about
1: great thank you um yeah so on we are on various social media platforms and on on all of them we are at lead sanctuary so we're relatively easy to find you've got a website which is leadsanctuary.org.uk um and on there you can buy the book that i mentioned earlier Mm. about time in lockdown and that sort of art and a creative, um, artistic meditative reflection on that time and particular element elements of that. Um what's that called again? It's called Everyday Sacraments. And yeah, and I guess also uh if you go on our events page, we've got communities and we've got events. So if you just have a if people have been interested by some of the stuff I've been sharing, then there are lots of different ways of plugging in with what we do, whether that's reading a blog. We've got we do some meditation stuff that you can listen to on our website. Mm. Um, or if you want to come and join one of the regular communities or events. Or if your organization wants some wellbeing work, we can kind of yeah, there's all sorts of different things that we do. I'm sure I've missed some. But um there's all loads of different ways that people can get involved with sense.
0: I also want to go back quickly to uh, when we were sort of talking about, again, the the sort of level of openness in society, I think as well, sales is a big part of it. You know, a lot, of, a lot of our time is spent drowning in adverts. And when it's not adverts, we are selling to one another. I mean, a lot of our work is selling or even our work has been turned into sales, like the same way that social media has become very marketing and we have to do more and more of it. Um, I think that it builds connections, but I don't, and it it kind of is an exercise in trust in that you're building customer bases and you're building that trust relationship with people, but it's also the sort of, I've got to take advantage of you slightly. It's a weird social relationship, I think. Um, So I'm not sure that's particularly healthy for us as, as creatures.
1: Mm, and do you think that's true in our personal relationships
0: but I, I i think it's got to bleed into it i mean that's why i want to look at work largely because you know it's how we think of work and you know is work just something that you get paid for um but you know people do volunteering work and then there's you know plenty of chores and stuff that needs to be done that doesn't get paid for um child rearing for example um so well and also gets paid for by some people but you know and then others yeah. would say we're not paid enough um but yeah it's that 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 whole area is the kind of well i want to look at all aspects of work but i think that whole area is is kind of rich for debate and discussion right. and i don't really see enough of that considering yeah. that we spend most of our life at work even you know even within a voc- like a vocational role It's not like you're on all the time, you know, you're, you have time that you have to yourself and time that you want and need for yourself as well. Like you can't be completely selfless all the time. Mm -hmm. It's that sort of lesson of COVID of, or the same thing from the airplane of like, you know, fix your own mask first before you try to help anyone else. Because if you're not in a good condition, you can't Mm -hmm. provide good help and good advice to other people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's that um, well-known saying now that you can't pour from an empty cup, isn't it? I hear that a lot in the work that I do, people saying that that's that's the situation they've been in and they want to be in a different place.
0: Thank you again to Anna for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests and thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, most of all, thank you to you, my dear listener. First do what is necessary, then do what is possible. Soon you will find you're doing the impossible. Come back on Monday to hear me talk to Bruce Davies from Basement Arts Project. You can follow this show on Twitter at WorkingHours3 and on Instagram at WorkingHoursPodLeads. Use the hashtag WorkingHoursPodLeads to stay up to date on when new episodes are being released to dm me with your questions or most importantly to get in touch if you'd like to be my guest on this show please do chuck in anything you can to help the show grow go to ko-fi.com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month or you can make a one-off donation of whatever amount uh, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod to support working hours again from as little as a pound a month why not be super awesome and join both do something new and something different. Remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to Working Hours. That's me. Cheers ears, take care out there and be kind to each other Leeds. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Please like Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads and on LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Leeds are you considering taking the plunge into podcasts or audio content? Then think Western Studios for support, advice and guidance on getting it made. At Western Studios, you work with a real-life learner who is actually in Leeds. Not a piece of software, not a course of articles or a series of live chats and video courses, but me, a person in physical place-based reality. If you want to work with me to make your podcast or any digital audio content in Leeds, whether it's for your own cause, your publicity campaigns, to promote your products, increase your sales, or just to create your own passion projects, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, now. Don't wade through vapid articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts by disembodied virtual people on the web. Get on with making your podcast now. And then when it gets hard and expensive and it all goes wrong, which it will, then call Western Studios to make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios will take on your podcast boring, time-consuming, and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about your podcasting pain points and I can make it all better for you. I feel your pain. For a charge, I will share it. Remember, podcast work is work leads businesses, leads campaigns, leads brands, got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start? Contact Western Studios at podcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. 25 pounds an hour after that for editing, recording, production. I can also arrange hefty discounts for the right projects. So tell me your idea and your budget And I'll tell you what I can do for you. What do you have to lose? Time, that's what. Time is running out. The best time to make a podcast was 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. Writers in Yorkshire, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content. That is about and for and has been made in Leeds. How do I know this? Because I'm one of them loiners what wants it. Help me make your old screenplays, unpublished novels, unperformed plays, stories, poems and performances, whatever you got, baby, and make it as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. Is it unfinished? Good. I can help you with that too. I can work with you to find actors, musicians and voiceover artists and quickly realise your projects. I get practice making the shows and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Save yourself the hassle and the headache of making your podcasts on your own by working with me instead.